we're going to have an avalanche of dementia as our uh, population ages. It's going to bankrupt the health system. It's going to bankrupt the health system in British Columbia, in Canada, basically in most of the developed world. And I said, we can cut the risk by 50%. That's what the science shows if we implement a program like this. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the common good. Making your mark big or small is creating a legacy, and it's one of the proven ways we can age with vibrance and deep satisfaction. Zestful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, who is a previous guest on Zestful Aging. Find out more about her at judybanker.com. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses, and other offerings, hop on over to zestfulaging.com. I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now. We're all unsettled and feel out of control. So I created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist. Um, Just go to zestfulaging.com and it is all yours. Well, as always, I've got my little loyal Jack Russell Sparky right by my side waiting for his walk. And since we're in Syracuse, we have to look at our weather app quite uh, <laughs> quite a lot to make sure when we can uh, take a walk uh, between the, the raindrops. We have a great interview for you today. What a privilege it is for me to speak with our guest. If you are looking for the authority on brain health, look no further. Not only is Dr. Snader a superstar scientist, rumor has it he has a lethal down the line tennis shot. Welcome to the show, Max. Well, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Nicole. I'm so happy uh, to uh, have you here. Uh, You're a leading neuroscientist and Order of Canada recipient and the founding director of the Brain Research Center at the University of British Columbia, and you're also the founder of Synaptitude. We're going to talk about that today, and um, I know that the objective is to help people understand and compare their brain fitness across these five pillars. We'll be talking about exercise, nutrition, sleep, stress, and cognition, and um, I know that your, your initiative is about helping people understand their brain, so we can increase our quality of life by taking actionable steps. How did you come up with the idea for synaptitude? Well, I came up uh, with the idea of synaptitude really, uh, really out of frustration. Uh, So as you mentioned, um, uh, at the time uh, that I started the synaptitude, uh, I was uh, still director of uh, the university of British Columbia's, uh, Uh, Brain Research Center and Center for Brain Health. And, you know, one of the things we really worked on in this center was uh, dementia. We were trying to develop drugs to treat Alzheimer's and frontotemporal dementia and Parkinson's and other uh, 
basically forms of neurodegeneration. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a tough slog, even though literally billions and billions of dollars have been spent to develop drugs uh, to treat these diseases, it really hasn't been very successful at all. We still don't have a good disease-modifying drug. But at the same time, uh, literature was coming out in the scientific uh, literature showing that if you did so-called lifestyle things, uh, that you could cut your risk for future dementia. And my colleague, Teresa Lou Ambrose, who uh, co-founded Synaptitude with me, uh, showed that if you, well, you took a bunch of 65-year-old women and you broke half of them into a group where you uh, told them to do, you know, think happy thoughts and do some stretches, and the other half you gave... Uh, you know, a, a systematic program of exercise. Uh, you did this uh, for six months. Uh, half of them got better in their cognition and the other half didn't. Uh, and on top of it, uh, the ones who were given an exercise program, uh, they, uh, parts of their brain, we did brain imaging, and parts of their brain actually grew, the parts involved in learning and memory. And in the others, you know, as you know, your brain tends to shrink. The others, the brain shrunk a bit. So it was very exciting. And then other uh, scientific papers came out uh, showing that uh, nutrition was important, sleep was important, managing stress was important, uh, targeting uh, cognitive training to your weak spots was important. So I, I was sold at this point. I said, okay, we don't have uh, drugs yet, but we have other things we can do that are, that's going to cut the risk of dementia. Um, so as director, you know, I spent a lot of my time raising money and that's what directors do. And I went to the provincial government and uh, I knew these people. Um, and I said, look, we're going to have an avalanche of dementia as our uh, population ages. It's going to bankrupt the health system. It's going to bankrupt the health system in British Columbia, in Canada, uh, basically in most of the developed world. Um, and I said, we can cut the risk by 50%. That's what the science shows. If we implement a program like this, uh, we should do it. We should bring everybody in on their, pick a number, 55th birthday, ah. uh, test them, find out where they stand now, keep testing them so we can know what's going on, test them every month, every six months, every year. And basically, they said, great idea, Max, we'll take it under advisement, and nobody ever did anything. So, uh, speaking and, of frustration. Yeah. So I said you know what, I'm, I'm just going to try to do it myself. Uh, and the people who sign up will be the beneficiaries, uh, and the people who don't, well, uh, hopefully, you know, governments in other places will be a little more proactive. I mean, you have to understand, in Canada, we have a public health system. Um, it's extremely uh, taxing to the provincial uh, budget. Uh, it's more than half of our provincial budget. And basically someone told me, look, Max, it's a great idea, but we've got three and a half hour waits in emergency, and that's our priority right now. And what you're talking about is in the future, and we have to deal with the present. So you know, I can you're talking about preventative and going upstream, and they're saying the problem in front of us right now is taking all of our resources. Pretty much. Pretty much. And that's what 
you know, led me and, you know, as director of our uh, uh, Brain Research Center, I knew where all the smart people were. So I was able to corral, you know, some great people in different parts of neuroscience and get them to join. Um, join your team. Join the team. And we've created, uh, you know, a group of geeky neuroscientists and computer scientists and AI experts. Um, and have brought together this program that tries to first enable us to assess people's brains mm-hmm. um, uh, while they're at home in the, you know, in the safety and comfort of uh, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Is that safety and comfort? I guess it's something. Uh, you know, so we can do that at home and then we can uh, give them ways to improve uh, along the different dimensions that we've talked about. And that's really how the whole program got started. I think the thing that's really interesting about your program is you're not putting out sort of general uh, recommendations. You're not saying, you know, sleep's good. We should all be doing sleep hygiene. You're really targeting the individual. And I think that that's, at least from, from what I know, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's an, a very important piece of this is already finding out what your baseline is and then what do we do from here so you can spend your energy and time really focusing in on where there might be some um, compromise rather than just sort of a scattershot. Is, am am I, I think, getting that right? I think you are. You are. Um, it's It's definitely important to work on your weak spots. Mm -hmm. So what we do first is we um, have uh, normative data that we have on lots and lots of people already collected. And, you know, let's say you were to come in and join the program, we would compare you to all other 29-year-old, (laughs) well-educated women. Right. And uh, so we would do that and we would assess you along the dimensions of sleep and stress and nutrition and exercise and, and in cognition. Cognition is complicated, you know, because there are lots of dimensions of cognition. So some people might have a great memory, but not be so good at planning ahead. You know, some people, uh, you know, might be good at concentration, but have lousy reaction times. And so you can break up cognition into a whole bunch of dimensions and we study them all. We say, okay, where are you? Okay, let's say you're bad on reaction time means you're not going to be so good at tennis. Uh, how can we boost that up? And we can, They're by giving you specific exercises targeted to that, we can boost you up. And it turns out those are all important because they're, we now can see that there's a whole bunch of different networks in your brain that are connected to those different dimensions of cognition. Uh, And once your brain networks start to go south, it's not a good thing. So let me ask you this question because um, I am not a neuroscientist, but I'm aware that we all have strengths and weaknesses. Like when I was in high school, my guidance counselor said, I have never seen such a discrepancy in math ability and verbal. He said, it's truly... It's like I'm, you know, (laughs) when when they were handing out the math skills, I must have been, you know, at the tennis court. 
Um, yeah. But I got almost a perfect score on, you know, the standardized exams for, for English and all of this. So yeah. I already come to your, let's say, to your uh, testing with mm -hmm. some strengths and weaknesses. How do we know if those are uh, as a result of aging or just the way my brain is um, wired? Well, I, some of it could be genetics. What you're describing is something called dyscalculia, uh, which is like dyslexia, where you have trouble uh, you know, with reading and uh, actually uh, hearing as well. It's, it's a high level hearing uh, and uh, vision disorder, uh, what dyslexia is. Uh, and dyscalculia is another kind of symbolic disorder and there is even some evidence for a genetic basis to it. So I don't know whether your mother or your uncle or your other relatives have problems with math as well. And it's a tough thing in a world where math is important. If you can well, find a... That's why I hire an accountant, Max. So oh, I don't that's know. A, no, that's, that's a good plan. Um, so what we would do is, among other things, our cognitive tests would interrogate that, would find that. Uh, and we probably would give you some efforts to uh, boost it up. Now, realistically, uh, you know, the best time for you to get better at a particular aspect of cognition is when you're about four. Uh, and you're already 29, yeah, as we've right. established. So uh, you won't be as good. It'll take you a little bit longer. It'll be harder. But you'll still get better uh, because you still have brain plasticity. Mm -hmm. You have the most brain plasticity when you're a baby, but you retain a surprising amount of it uh, as you get older. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, if you use it, you won't lose it. And that includes not only math skills, but it includes plasticity skills. So if you keep challenging yourself, you're going to uh, get better at challenging yourself. And I think that's an important lesson that neuroscience has taught us over the years. So we would uh, assess you along a whole bunch of different dimensions of cognition. Uh, we would find the weak spots, we would target those, try to build them up, but we would also work on all the other aspects of your cognition. So it's not an all or none kind of approach, but it is personalized and we look for ways to help you. Right, is this an intervention that also would have an application uh, for younger children? I mean, is this something that not is not only great for the aging brain, but to just understand the strengths and weaknesses and how to help people be uh, more optimized? Well, yes, uh, but, you know, we can't do everything. We don't know yet what the, uh, you know, sort of uh, who should uh, enroll in the Synaptitude program. Uh, and, you know, sometimes people ask me this, and the answer after, you know, once I, uh, you know, calm down a bit is uh, everybody, <laughs> really. <laughs> but uh, right now the program is targeted toward, uh, you know, people say 45, 50, 60, uh, because, you know, it's really meant to improve your brain health today and therefore uh, improve your ability to deal with life, you know, so, one of, one of the purposes is to reduce your risk of dementia. We already talked about oh, that. Oh, yes. But the, okay. other, but the other purpose is to, you know, make life better for you today. Uh, you know, if you can learn to manage your stress better, uh, if you can sleep better, 
if you can, uh, you know, improve along these cognitive dimensions, uh, uh, all of those things are going to make you happier tomorrow, uh, right now. And uh, uh, so the idea is, uh, let's, let's try to make things better for you now and at the same time make things better for you in the future. It does require some investment on your part. It's, you know, I wish we could give you a little pill and then, you know, you'd just be, uh, you know, smarter. Everything's lighting up. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Smarter, better looking, taller, who knows? That's, that sounds great, but that's, that's, more of a, that's more of a Star Trek kind of uh, episode. Yeah, that's, right? that's science fiction. And, you know, so, you know, people are always working on drugs and I support that. I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm actually a neurobiologist. I also study, uh, you know, what the brain is made of. And it's this gooey collection of genes and proteins and enzymes. And, uh, you know, and the miracles of uh, modern biology continue. Uh, and we will have uh, drugs to do all kinds of great, great things, but that still won't get rid of the need to do the things that Synaptitude is uh, helping you to do. Hello, everyone. I wanted to tell you about a product I've been using lately for aches and pains that's really helped me, and I've been singing it from the rooftops. Some of you may already have discovered the benefits of using CBD. I have found it to be a game changer for my creaky joints. I'm a tennis player, and I have three dogs, and being active is really important to me, and we know how important it is in aging well. But at age 59, my joints can be a bit stiff, uh, especially in my knees. And this stuff has really helped. So I don't have to wear a knee brace anymore, which really wasn't such a good look. I've done my research and it's very important to get the highest quality ingredients. There's a lot of junk on the market. So you have to make sure the product is tested by a third party lab at the very least. My favorite company is called Pros, P-R-O-Z-E, and they have several products that are formulated for specific problems, including sleep and mental focus. Uh, lately, I've been using the performance gum called Yippies and the Nods, which helps me sleep and tastes very cinnamony. If you go to their website, pros.com, and enter the coupon code ZESTFUL, you're going to get 15% off. I highly recommend trying it out. I think you're really going to be surprised how effective it is, and I would love some feedback from you on how it works. Again, the website pros, P-R-O-Z-E dot com. Coupon code is Zestful. Thank you. And I'm curious, how has your research informed what you do every day? Can you take us into uh, a, a peek of what your day looks like based on well, what you know? You know, I, I, my uh, job is really to, uh, you know, uh, serve my wife's uh, every... Uh, <laughs> every whip? <laughs> every whip. And look, as long as you're clear. <laughs> I have learned to obey. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> okay. But, no, she's... Uh, 
so she's a very intelligent and, uh, you know, uh, health conscious individual. And she keeps me on the street and narrow. I eat, uh, I get up in the morning and I have, you know, multi-grain bread and I have, uh, uh, you know, essentially blueberries and raspberries and bananas. And, uh, you know, and, and so I, I eat a good diet if I, you know, when I'm, you know, aside from moments of weakness. Uh, and I try to exercise because I like to exercise. And it's one of those things that uh, you get better at as you do more of it. Uh, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a very lucky person because, uh, as you can probably tell, I'm pretty enthusiastic about what I do. And I've sort of always been that way. So that really reduces your stress levels. I also live in Victoria, British Columbia in Canada, which is a beautiful part of the world. I go outside every day. I get into nature. I go for walks, uh, as well as uh, I used to go to the gym. I don't right now. Right. But I do, other, I do other things to keep fit. And, you know, so I basically practice what synaptitude has uh, been teaching me to do and what the science has been teaching me to do. The evidence is pretty clear. You just put together all of these things. You can think about it this way. You've got to keep your cardiovascular system in good shape. That's one of the important things because your brain, it's only, you know, 1.5 kilos, two and a half pounds. That's 2% of your body mass. But that brain consumes 20% of your blood supply. It consumes more than 20% of your glucose, it's of your glucose consumption. What I tell people is that your brain is the heart's best customer. So if anything goes wrong with your circulatory system, your brain is going to suffer. And you could have, you know, little, tiny strokes, which are actually much more common than you'd like to think in people over 70. Uh, and you, you could have other weaknesses, small blood vessel problems. So you really want to, you know, keep your body in good shape. And that's part of the nutrition and exercise piece uh, within synaptitude. So I'm conscious of that. And of course, we know that all these other things are, you know, have to be managed as well. If you're uh, if you're in a stressful situation, and many of us are uh, uh, at this time, we try to give you tools to help you manage that stress, to reduce the effects of the stress. Because, you know, stress is actually a pretty pernicious uh, thing. It's uh, acute stress, five minutes of stress, no problem. You know, mm -hmm. you see the lion in the jungle and uh, staring out at you, you know, you basically, you know, you activate your sympathetic nervous system, you shunt blood to your legs and you run away. That's fine. But, you know, when somebody says something obnoxious on television, it doesn't really help you to shunt blood to your legs and to release cortisol. And, uh, you know, because what that does is it has side effects. So you release that cortisol, well, it suppresses your immune system. Because, okay, right now you can't be worrying about your immune system. You're trying to run away from that lion. If, you know, if you're in a chronic stress situation where uh, you're always releasing cortisol, your immune system is always suppressed, and then cortisol feeds back to the brain, uh, crosses the blood-brain barrier, gets into the brain, and over the long term, it's actually toxic to neurons and kills Cort neurons. Cortisol? Cort yeah, cortisol, the stress hormone. 
you don't want high levels of cortisol uh, circulating chronically. You just don't want it uh, because it'll kill neurons. And it turns out that the most vulnerable neurons are the babies. Uh, it used to be that, uh, you know, we thought you didn't make any new neurons as an adult. That's not true. You make new neurons. You remember I was telling you about my colleague, Teresa Lou Ambrose and her exercise program. Um, what has been found now is that, you know, people who do vigorous physical activity increase the number of new neurons they make every day. And those neurons are the ones that are vulnerable to stress. So you can negate all those benefits of going outside and, uh, you know, and, and, do, and, and taking that nice walk or uh, doing resistance training or playing tennis uh, by staying in that very stressful situation. So you're killing those little baby neurons. You're killing those little baby neurons with oh. chronic stress. It's not a good thing. You can imagine we need all our neurons. <laughs> You know, that's I haven't yeah. heard it. Uh, I haven't understood it that way. And it's it's, uh, it's well, it's actually a, yeah, yeah it's, it's actually interesting because, um, you know, these new neurons, uh, they uh, grow most uh, in a part of your brain called the hippocampus. Mm -hmm. And the hippocampus is crucial uh, for learning and memory. Uh, and it's also important for helping you navigate in the in the world. And your hippocampus is actually only about two-thirds as old as you are because it's constantly adding new neurons. So the average age of the hippocampus is younger than you. Now, what's interesting is not all of the new babies survive naturally. Right. They've got to be born. And then if you think about it, okay, so they're born. So you have this baby walking around, not walking around, crawling yeah. around in, in its diapers in a world full of... Uh, people, adults. And so what it's got to do is, what a baby neuron has to do is got to pass out its business cards to a whole bunch of other neurons and get them to talk to it, get them to listen to it, make friends with it. A fair number of the new, new baby neurons don't survive anyway, because they don't, if you don't make friends in the brain, if you don't become part of the network, part of the community, mm -hmm. you don't, you don't survive. So Basically, physical activity lets, increases the number of new neurons who can be born. Stress kills everybody off indiscriminately if you're a baby. And doing interesting things enables the new neurons to fit better into the networks and survive and grow up to be, uh, you know, good citizens in the brain. I love um, that. I love that analogy. And it makes me wonder about people with chronic anxiety disorder, you know, who have, a, can, who have which, a high level. Yeah. Who have yeah, a high which, level of stress, yeah. which, you know, is basically everybody in the U S right now. Um, you yeah. know, are they just, I, are they killing off neurons just watching the news and uh, being, horrified? I think it's, yeah, I think it's a, yeah, I think it is. It's not good for you. It's not good for you uh, to uh, uh, put yourself in that position. Well, I mean, you know, you'd, you'd like to think it's all under your own control. It isn't, obviously. But yes, you need to find ways to mitigate your stress. Uh, and there are lots of things you can actually do. You know, you can, if you improve your sleep, for instance, it turns out that's a good stress buster. If you uh, do physical exercise, 
that's a good stress buster. Mm -hmm. uh, if you learn mindfulness uh, practices, if you do yoga, if you do Tai Chi, uh, if you improve your diet, all of those things will help you to reduce your levels of stress. It's, there are no silver bullets. You know, if, if, if you're in a very toxic situation, uh, it's tough. But you can, you are not powerless. Uh, you are able to take things under, you know, into your own, you know, under your own control. It turns out that uh, you have ways of controlling your sympathetic nervous system uh, and your stress response. And these, some of them are actually visual. Uh, there's now evidence that if you uh, expose yourself to nature, if you walk forward uh, and you have what's called optic flow, which basically the trees flow by you on both sides. That's actually very good for you. If you practice diaphragmatic breathing, that kind of respiration actually connects your, it's, it's a voluntary action that affects the sympathetic nervous system. All of these are things uh, we help you with and teach you about in the Synaptitude Brain Health Program. And again, mindfulness practices, uh, meditation, are also very powerful. And of course, there's, if you've got a real problem uh, where you have to go see your physician, well, there are things like cognitive behavioral therapy and drugs. That's not what we do in Synaptitude. We're health. Uh, mm -hmm. If we see pathology, we'll hand it off to the medical system. There are people who are very well qualified to deal with that. I see. I see. So that makes sense. So this is something that you access. It's, it's like a, it's a membership program, correct? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. So people so you, from all over the world can access this on their in their own time zone. Yes, they can. So when we started Synaptitude, it was a very high-end program where you, you know, had your genome sequenced and we gave everybody MRIs. And uh, the challenge with that, and it worked uh, and really did improve people's brain health. And we saw improvements in cognition. It was quite dramatic. Mm. Uh, but the challenge with it is just too hard to scale that to lots of people. Uh, and so what we've now done is to develop an online program that you can do in the safety and comfort of your own home, uh, whenever you want to, wherever you are, all you need is an internet connection. We think it can reach a lot more people. Sure, it would be great if everybody could have their genome sequenced and MRIs and all that stuff, but it would also be extraordinarily expensive. Expensive, yeah, but I love that the program has all that backing. You know, as I said, you know, you, uh, you take a look at the site and it's like, as you say, you know, the geeks or whatever. I mean, it's like you've got physicists, you've got molecular biology, you've got everyone you could possibly bring together to investigate. Oh, you know, we're, we're scientists and we're evidence-based. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we won't do anything if there's not good scientific evidence behind mm -hmm. it. And that's something that, you know, we're really very, very rigorous about. So it's, uh, but it's, you know, it's great to see it actually coming together and being able, you know, to offer this kind of thing where you have really have the potential to help a lot of people. Do you, are you hoping that uh, as you gather steam here and as more people are helped by this, that governments will sign on as a, as a long-term benefit for their citizens? 
You know, I think eventually uh, uh, that will happen. Uh, it'll be a program like ours. I'm sure there will be other people who will try to do this. Yes, uh, I, I think there's no question. I mean, at some level, government should do this. It should be provided by the, by the government as a public good. It's actually in the interest of the government, especially in a public health system, uh, but it's always in the interest of the government to have their population be uh, healthier, happier, uh, with lowered risk of dementia and therefore lower risk of huge health care bills. You know, this is a worldwide uh, problem. And, you know, you know, what do we have that's more important than our brain? I mean, you know, you go every year and you get your eyes checked. You go every year and you get your teeth checked. You get your ears checked. And most people don't go and get their brain checked. And, uh, you know, you, you, take, you know, you take extreme care of your eyes, ears, teeth, how could you not be taking the same kind of care of, of your brain and trying to optimize that? It's much more important, really, when you think about it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, one last thing I just want to clear up. I'm totally with you on the nature, on the walking, on all the fractals and all this great stuff. But I hear contradictory information about you do need to get your heart rate up. Don't worry so much about your heart rate. Moderate walking is fine. As long as you're out there and, you know, you're breathing a little heavier. What do you, what does your research show in terms of what we need to do with exercise? Okay. Um, so first, uh, the answer is even doing a little bit is good. Okay. You derive clear benefits just from getting up off the couch uh, and, uh, you know, and taking a, you know, a, a reasonable stroll. walk. Yeah, just even a stroll is better because so many people are really what we would call completely inactive. They just don't do anything. So they should do something. But I mentioned my colleague, Teresa Lou Ambrose. So she did a study in which she compared the brain gains as a function of doing different kinds of exercise. So one group did nothing, one group did cardio, and she gave them you know, a pretty good set of cardio workouts. Uh, you know, I think it was three times a week for 40 minutes for you know, several months. And a third group got resistance training, weights, and another group got resistance and cardio. So she did all those things and then uh, she studied these four groups for uh, several months and saw what happened to uh, various parameters of their cognition. And here's the interesting thing. Everything was better than doing nothing. No question. Resistance was good. Cardio was good. Resistance plus cardio was good. Uh, the best came from uh, resistance plus cardio, but resistance was really good really important. It turns out it was actually better than cardio. I was quite surprised. She was quite surprised. We were all very surprised by this. Very, very interesting. And now I think we understand what's going on. So it turns out that resistance training, weight training, yes. now weight, tra weight training doesn't have to mean, you know, push it, pumping iron and things like this. It can be, uh, you know, doing weight bearing yoga, uh, it can mean, you know, just doing a plank is already weight bearing, uh, you know, but it, there's now evidence that actually there are growth factors that are released from stressed muscles. So your muscles get stressed when you do some resistance training weights or, uh, you know, weight bearing yoga or anything that requires you to bear weight. 
Uh, and that, by the way, is really important for, uh, you know, uh, preventing frailty and improving your ability to balance and things like this. There's now evidence that that causes the release of growth factors, uh, and people are working very hard to identify exactly which growth factors are released. There are several. Uh, they're released from stressed muscles. They go through the blood-brain barrier. They get into your circulation, go through the blood-brain barrier, into your brain, and there, oh, what do they do? Oh, they stimulate the birth of new neurons because they're growth factors. Back to the babies. <laughs> Back to the babies. Uh, and that's probably part of the mechanism uh, by which resistance training is good for you. So I always tell people, what should you be doing? You should be doing both cardio and resistance, but don't neglect resistance. A lot of people neglect that. Yes. Are you familiar with the rebounders, the mini trampolines? Do they use it uh, in NASA because yeah. of the, the gravity? And apparently uh, there's good stuff happening too. And I wonder if that would be also considered resistance. I think so. I think it would because you're bearing your weight. You know, you're, you're bearing your weight up you're, and down. You're bearing your, yeah, you're bearing your weight up and down, and yet it's, uh, you know, probably, you know, spring, it's springy, so it's not going to be so bad on your aging joints. <laughs> so it's, That's uh, exactly right. So I think it'd be fine if, if your sense of balance can support it. <laughs> and well, they have, because um, I'm such a big fan of the rebounder, um, yeah. they have bars for people who need some stability. And uh, they yeah. use it in NASA. Apparently, it's extremely effective way to uh, get everything going that needs to be <laughs> going. So it's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, Why good. not? That's why not? You know, there's so many different kinds of exercise. You know, as I said, anything is good. A little more is a little better. Mm -hmm. But don't neglect resistance is okay. what I tell people. Okay, that's great. Um, and of course, there's so many benefits to things like yoga and Tai Chi that are, you know, additional. Benefits. You know, there are, there, there are lots of things that are, lots of different kinds of sports are good for you, you know. And so I, I also include things like ballroom dancing as a, it doesn't have to be, quote, sports. You know, if, if dancing in general is a good is a good thing. So there have been studies of, how much extra longevity you get as a function of exercise. Mm -hmm. and, they, and so on average, uh, you gain about three years of extra life by doing exercise versus not doing exercise. And that's good. Uh, you know, that's statistically a pretty good number. You know, it takes a long, you know, it really boosts the population's health to give them three extra years of life. But then they studied different kinds of exercise and said, okay, what, you know, let's say you ride a bike or let's say you're a runner uh, or let's say you're a tennis player or a soccer player. What, how much extra life do these different sports give you? And the answer was you actually gain the most extra life. You get, you got three years from doing exercise. You ride a bike, three years of extra life. You run three years of extra life. Tennis, Nine years of extra life. Nine years. Can you imagine? Fantastic. Now, is this, are we talking doubles? We talking singles? We're ta well, I, I don't think we know that, but we're talking, <laughs> uh, but we're talking, but it's not just tennis. It's tennis. It's badminton. It's soccer. It's hockey. What it is, it's a combination of social, competitive, 
cognitive reaction time, all those things. If you think about it, you know, if you're like a hockey player, you've got to keep track of 11 other people on that ice and the puck. Uh, soccer, it's 22 people. Uh, you know, tennis, badminton, those kinds of things. You've got to have, you've got to plan ahead. Uh, you've got to think fast. Uh, you've got to stay concentrated and focused. Also, you know, you're doing, you're doing physical acti activity, your heart is pumping. Uh, it seems that the combination of all those things, and I think that's why I mentioned ballroom dancing, same kind of thing. You've got to know what your partner's doing. It's social. It's a little bit competitive, perhaps against the other uh, people. Uh, you know, there's some social interaction at the end of it in a lot of these sports. It has additional benefits beyond running and biking because of it engages all those different things. And you I'll know, add another, well, I was going to say, I'll add another thing there on, on one of our outdoor courts here, there's wooded land on one side and there have been deer who have come and watched us play. And then we all have right. red tailed hawks above circling. So I would add, if this is, I don't know if this is your thing, but there can also be a spiritual element if you're playing tennis outside in a lovely place. Absolutely. You know, being in a beautiful place uh, is very good for your brain health. It reduces your stress levels. It's going to help you to sleep better. Mm -hmm. uh, it wakes up the parasympathetic nervous system as opposed to the sympathetic nervous system. And you really want to, uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's great for you. It really is good for you. That's, that's so, so interesting to hear the science behind this. I mean, I think we're all now familiar with, you know, we know we need to exercise and eat a lot of berries and uh, colorful foods, plants, and um, we know we need to sleep. We need, but to hear about why, why do we want to keep those neuron babies alive and how and what's the best way to nurture them and make sure they don't get a bath of cortisol is, uh, uh, I love absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I think about that. That's what informs what we do at Synaptitude and it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's understanding the deep science that is continuing to grow and develop. There are lots of neuroscientists doing wonderful work every day. And, you know, that leads to new understanding and knowledge is power. Uh, we're learning, you know, surprising ways to influence these processes. And that's, you know, as the evidence accumulates, we're just going to incorporate that into our program. You know, people ask me, uh, so is synaptitude finished now? And I say, it's never going to be finished. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to keep improving. I hope it's five, you know, five years from now, I hope it's a lot better than it is now. In 10 years, I hope it's unbelievably more better. That's <laughs> what makes that, right? it, I think, really special is it's informed by all of the brain science work. So... Uh, how can people find out more about this and learn more about how they can um, access this for themselves? Well, you know, we, uh, you know, they can try a free brain health assessment uh, right now. They just go to app, A-P-P, dot synaptitude brain health, all one word, dot com. Uh, and they can get a free brain health assessment and they can progress into the program if they're interested in, in uh, trying it out. That sound, uh, and, I just want to uh, make, 
make sure I have it right. It's app, A-P-P dot synaptitude, S-Y-N-A-P-T-U-D-T-I-T-U-D-E. Brain health. Brain health. Oh. Uh, and then dot com. That's right. Dot com. I'll put that in the program notes so people can link on to that and they can go right to the um, to pre-assessment. The yes, which yeah. I've done as well, which is really fun. It's it's interesting to see, you know, you're tempted to cheat, but <laughs> you're not cheating anybody. You're not, I guess you're not gaining anything. You're not gaining anything no, by no. cheating. Yeah, you, yeah it's not a yeah. report card. Well, Matt, no, it's, it's such a pleasure to speak with you, and you have such a lovely way of bringing this down to sort of accessible terms. Um, and I love this idea of protecting the newborns, <laughs> the newborn neurons. And it's so nice to have a visual, you know, for us it is. brain scientists. Yeah. I know, you know, I, I spent many years actually recording single neurons inside the brain. That's, you know, one of, you know, I've been doing brain research, I hate to tell you, for more than 50 years. And, you know, it's beautiful to actually get to know them. They're, they're, I, I think of them as little people, you know, with, with perspectives on the world and uh, being interested in certain things and not interested in others and influenceable. Uh, you know, there just happened to be a hundred of bill hundred billion of them inside your head. It's a lot of siblings. <laughs> it is. Yes. Well, thank you so much for, for enlightening us and encouraging us. And um, I'm a big fan of Synaptitude. I know there's been so much work put into it. It's quite unusual in that it is really tailor-made to the individual, which I think it makes it really stand out. Uh, thank it you does. so much. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you very much for having me, Nicole. Pleasure. Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about a powerful new tool that supports your mental and emotional health in what are extremely trying times. And you may remember that I've been a psychotherapist for 30 years, and I'm always a little suspicious of products that claim to help us feel less anxious, depressed, or worried. But then I was introduced to a new kind of app called Cope Notes, and I have become a big fan. Cope Notes was developed by a guy who spent a lot of his life trying to figure out what might help support him through his own weekly psychotherapy sessions. Cope Notes is an app that gives you random texts through the day to break through some of the negative messages that might be repeating in your head. It's well-researched and has been adopted by many mental health facilities. I highly recommend it. I think we can all use a little support right now. So check out Cope Notes dot com forward slash zestful. I will receive a small portion of those proceeds. Um, and I'd love to hear your feedback about how it works for you. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. 
It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Up. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, uh, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.